0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. I'm so glad you came to church on Labor Day weekend. It is so great to have you. And uh, we're really excited. Hey, can we welcome everyone joining us online who's with us? We love you. Grateful for you. Um, before I get in uh, to the to the message, I just want to I want to honor someone who's here today. Uh, many of you, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have an online pastor, and it's uh, Pastor Michael Cespedes. Who um, he he has some physical limitations, but he doesn't have spiritual limitations, and he's a man who a man of God, a, a deep thinker, and a great pastor to those who join us online. And I just want to acknowledge Pastor Michael Cespedes back there on the corner. Pastor Michael, so great to have you today, and I know you'll be mad at me that I just did that, but I love you anyway, so uh, we love you, grateful for you. Um, Listen, we are really excited uh, for this series, but but actually before I get into this, um, part of the the whole understanding of the kingship of Christ and what it looks like to live and to function in the... uh, in our lives the church all these aspects that we're going to be covering over the next several weeks is about us coming into alignment with what god would desire for us in his kingdom and one of those things as we looked at this year was that we believe that god does not want his church in debt we believe that that the church of jesus christ should be an example um, for the rest of the world and that we should not owe man anything but only owe others the act of love and that's our desire to do so. So we were really convicted as a, uh, as a board and uh, have been navigating this for years but this year we just believed this is it. God really wants us to take some big steps. And the big steps, when God asks you to do something, they're not easy. They require faith, they require a sense of, uh, of trust. They require you to, to put your, kinda, put your, uh, your, your money where your mouth is. And so we just believed. God was saying, hey, "I want, I want you debt free, and I'm going to do it." And I'm going to do something. I'm going to lead you through these steps that are going to help you to be there. But I want you to invite the rest of the church to be a part of this. I also want to acknowledge many of you years ago gave um, with the intent that we wouldn't have debt. And so I want you to know that, that God honors that. And that's one of the things I sense God speak to me is, is to acknowledge your faithfulness years ago when you gave and, and you were a part of, of leaning that direction. And I just want you to know God is, he's honoring that and he will honor that. And uh, it might, might've been a delayed promise by that you saw, but we're going to all celebrate this. And we're believing at the end of this year, we're going to be debt-free in 2023. And that's our hope and our, and our, our faith. We believe it. So with that, this is about inviting all of us to be a part of what God is doing. And so this is giving to, our, to the debts so that we'll be debt-free is what we would say it is, is, it is above and beyond your normal tithe. The normal tithe, we believe, it's it is sanctioned by God to be given to the church that God has planted you in, for the purpose of worshiping Him and for the purpose of the, the 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 needs of the people within that church and the community. And so that's how God designed that. But I just want to give you a debt update as we get into this, as we we began uh, actually uh, three million twenty six thousand dollars, and uh, where we are. Actually, 1.4 has been given, and what's remaining is 1.546, and uh, we're on our way, so it's super great, super great, and so you'll, you'll be hearing some more about this, and uh, we're excited to be, to be debt-free and to, uh, and to position us for the future. This, why we did this is because in the, in the kingdom of God, God cares about generations. I hope you understand that. So anytime God, God talks about, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talks about the blessing of the righteous is to a thousand generations. And so God cares about generations. And so part of us understanding that is positioning ourselves so that generations can reap the blessing of our faithfulness in our generation. Amen. So we should not strap the next generation with our dreams that we paid for by debt. That's, that's called selfishness. We're not going to do that, and we want to position the next 10 generations to be able to do incredible ministry and transform, continue to transform this community, and this is how we believe God's called us to do it, and so I want you to be a part of this as we see God's blessing in that. Everybody say amen. Amen. So listen, we are continuing the series on Christ is King, and we've asked the question, since he is king, he's not the coming king that one day will be. He will come, but he's already king. Since we understand Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of nations. That means there is no realm on earth that doesn't belong to Jesus, that isn't under his kingship. Now we know you can be in a kingdom and not be submitted to the king. We know that. And Jesus is the king of this earth, he's the king of our, of our world, and we in our lives want to submit to him so that we can give him glory through our lives, so we can give him glory to what belongs to our king just so you know, the kingship of Jesus or the kingdom of God is all about honoring the king. It's all about bringing glory to the king. Why do we make decisions about our money, about our family, about our personal lives, about what God's called us to do in the world and society? Why do we do these things that are righteous and good and aligned with what God would want for the people around us? It's because we do it to give him glory. We give it to honor. We do it to, to honor him. And so we've been continuing on this. And so we're going to lean in today, continuing on what does it mean to bring glory to Christ in our personal lives. Before we think about transforming the world, and we, we should, it's a part of it, we must first look deeply in our own lives. We must first look deeply into our individual lives and ask this question, are we living under the full kingship of Christ? Are we giving him glory at every area, in every area of our personal lives? And so we want to apply God's word to our personal lives. And we have heard over the last couple of messages that the call to live under his kingship. It means one, it's a it's a life of dying to ourselves. Really popular message in today's world: die to yourself, die to your desires. Crucify your flesh. Don't listen to the desires of the flesh, but walk in the spirit. And this is what it means. We've also talked about it's about living a life of unconformity. So when we look around to the world and those who don't serve Christ and to society and culture, we don't, we don't ask culture what we should do in our lives. We ask God and his His word and his kingship how we should live our lives. So we're to be different than the world. It's been the theme of the Bible that God calls a people and he separates them from those who aren't serving him. To be an example to, to those who aren't serving him. He separates them. He says, come out from among them and be holy. Come live your lives differently. And Paul says that follow me as I follow Christ, that we're called to be different. And so these are two big responsibilities. We also have seen that we're to be conformed into the image of Christ. And really, the word here is Christ likeness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear of Christ likeness, I go, yeah, I'm not there yet. And so many times when you hear these these things of live a life of unconformity, be in the world but not of it, live a life where you die to your your flesh, live a life that you would represent Christ well in your words and your deed and how you live it, you go, man, I'm so far from that. And so today, I, I mean, maybe you're like me. When you hear that we are to be Christ-like, you ask this question, how is that possible? How is it possible that I would be Christ-like? Because, see, I know me. I know Jason. And I say, man, I'm, I, am, I am Jason-like. But I know areas of my life that I would say, that's not Christ-like. Does anyone else have areas? Let's just let's be honest. All right, good. And so when you hear these things, you, you can come up kind of hopeless, like, how's that going to happen? And I think that's actually the right question. This Just this week, I found myself struggling and frustrated because of something that I was having a hard time having God's perspective and kingship over, seeing it the way that God saw it, believing the way that God believes coming under the kingship of Christ in this particular area. And I simply, I was frustrated and I was like, God, I am like, why am I coming up short over and over in this area? And the Holy Spirit put this thought in my mind and my heart that this message is shaped around in our personal lives. And he said this, he said, because you are trying to do it yourself and you're relying on your own will and your own strength and you haven't relied on my spirit to do it. So, this life of Christ-likeness, this life of, of unconformity, this life of dying to self, like it's clearly not something that is possible in our own strength. It's clearly that this is not we, we become Christ-like by my own will, by my own discipline, by my own process, through my, it's clearly. Because let's be honest, you know you. And so, what God has given us that we don't understand fully, God has given us his Holy Spirit to enable us to fulfill our purpose and live in freedom under his kingship on this earth. He has placed His Spirit inside of you. So when we say, be Christ-like, we think, okay, what guardrails, what discipline, what can I, what, 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 what can I do to make that happen? Let, let me tell you something, nothing. You do not have the power within your own will and your own flesh and your own mind to become Christ-like. Your personality is not what makes you Christ-like. Your discipline, your strong-willedness is not what makes you Christ-like. And so many times we rely on, on this idea of ourselves and our flesh is what makes us. And so many times we find ourselves disappointed and frustrated. William Temple, he's an Anglican bishop. He died in 1944 he illustrated um, this idea and concept this way. He said, it is no good giving me a play like Hamilton or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I cannot. And it's no good showing me a life like Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I cannot. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. God's purpose living under the kingship of Christ is to make you like Christ. And God's way of doing that is to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He does it, he, so many times, many of us understand the idea of salvation. There, there used to be like this, back many, many years ago, someone would say, hey, you need Jesus. And so before you come to Jesus, you need to go get a haircut. Or, hey, before you need Jesus, you need to stop shacking up with your girlfriend or boyfriend. And then, once you clean your life up, once you stop doing these things, then come to Jesus and repent and give your life to him. And so we know, actually it's the exact opposite. You, you, don't, you don't see the fruit of your salvation until you're saved. And then you begin to see, then from your salvation, then you begin to let these things die and and then fall away and and you quit whatever it is that you're doing and you become more like Christ. But that doesn't start on your own power, on your own will, on your own perseverance. It starts with you first trusting Jesus. The same way with becoming Christ-like, the same way with being conformed into the image of Jesus... The same way of, of things in your life actually coming under his kingship isn't us doing it within our own power. It's us relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to do it in us and for us as we cooperate with him. So many of us, we, we, and we, just, we live a life of frustration and discouragement and we're defeated all the time because we see things in our life and we go, that should not be and go, oh God, I'm sorry, and I'll try harder. That's your problem. You were given the Holy Spirit to reside inside of you, to go to to that spirit that dwells in you and say, Holy Spirit, I am not Christ-like in this area, and I need your power to transform me, my mind, the way I think. I need your power to transform my emotions that tend to lean this direction and and jump on this and be anxious. and, And I need your power to say no to that temptation in my life. This isn't about your strength, your will, your personality. It's about relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to help you come fully under the kingship of Christ. God's purpose is to make you like Christ. And His Spirit is what He gave you to continually be conformed into that image. Your salvation wasn't about you. It was about faith, but was about you. And your conformity into the image of Christ is not about you. It's about you cooperating and trusting in the power of the Spirit that He could transform you and He can change you. I want you to understand this today. This is the heart of Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus says says this about the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the helper. First off, he's called the helper because Jesus knew you needed help. So the Holy Spirit has different functions. Yes, he's the guarantee once you give your life to Jesus. The Spirit comes in you. It's a guarantee you're saved. It's a guarantee of your salvation. Guarantee, done, paid for. But it's also here you have Jesus say the helper whom the Father will send in my name. So the, the Holy Spirit is called helper. Helper for what? To help you be conformed to the image of Christ. To help you say no to your flesh and walk by His Spirit. To help you finally crucify that, that, that stumbling block of sin that you keep stumbling over. It's, He's, He is the helper which allows you to align your life with that truth that God calls you to be like His Son Jesus. Jesus also says in John fifteen twenty six. When the Helper comes. Now he's speaking of his Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's coming after his death, burial, and resurrection. I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth. John 16, it's to your advantage that I go away. For I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, this idea and understanding. But the Holy Spirit dwells in us for the purpose of helping you. Many of us miss that reality. We think we think we are saved, and then everything else in our life is up to us, and we don't rely on this power that's made available to you. Marriages fall apart because we rely on our own strength, our own discipline. There's nothing wrong with, with having, having discipline or having a, a, a system or a program or, or what. There's nothing wrong with that. But that system and that program and that counseling doesn't save you. It doesn't save your marriage. It doesn't doesn't break an addiction. That's not what does it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that does it inside of you. And when you come into alignment with that spirit and ask that his spirit inside of you, give me the power to be healed in this area. Give me the power to break this addiction. Give me the power to stop thinking this way. What happens, we're cooperating with him. And then we begin to see his power manifest in us. And then he leads us to be a part of whether reading a book or going to counseling, or going to a group or whatever that is, but it's first His power. He is the one that gives you the power to overcome these areas in our life. And I believe that God is calling His church to come into a new realm, a new realm of holiness, a new realm of nonconformity, a new realm of Christ-likeness that's not about your performance. It's about the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. As a newsflash, it never was about you. It was always about bringing glory to Christ through our lives. I mean, if we were honest, all of us know that we can struggle at times to live fully under the kingship of Christ. To bring Him glory with our words, with the actions of our hands with the thoughts of our minds. And I believe God wants to give you great encouragement today, friends. I believe God wants to remind you that His kingship in your life is not accomplished by the strength of your will, but by cooperating and trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. God never intended his, his children to experience the fullness of his kingship and to fully live from that reality by their own works, by their own efforts, by their own will. That never was in the plan. He gave each of us his spirit to work his will in our lives. And then from that, we begin to walk out our purpose as ambassadors of him on the earth. Paul speaks about this reality that it's not about his will or, or um, the works of man or the cleverness of man. He's talking about his ministry to the church in Corinthians, and he says this, 1 Corinthians 2. He says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive, persuasive words. So, he, I mean, so many times we talk about. Even when we talk about preachers, we go, they're such a good communicator. Paul's like, actually, my message and my preaching, they weren't super wise. They weren't super, per, per, they didn't persuade. It wasn't my works. It wasn't, wasn't my power. I didn't have the most clever of stories and maybe the greatest personality and Maybe I wasn't the greatest communicator. But this, this is what Paul says. But my message, I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom or the works of me, but on God's power. And so many times when this comes to our own personal lives, we can, we can rest on our own human wisdom. We can rest on our own human decisions. We can, we can look to, to, to that. That's what brought me clarity. That's what brought this under the kingship of Christ. That's what broke this off of my life. But actually, when we do that or go down that pathway, it comes up short. What we believe will have a tremendous impact on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives being conformed to the image of Jesus. Paul says, I, it is by by." God's power. Paul didn't want them to come back and be like, hey, Paul, when you gave that message and you told that story about that little girl who, who went to this place and did this and wow, how God met her, I thought that's such a beautiful story. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Or Paul, I remember, man, when you, you were declaring that was the most, the most eloquent sermon I've ever heard. And because it was eloquent, eloquent I, I gave my life to Jesus. No, Paul says, I don't want you to do that. He gave a simple understanding of what God wanted in their lives, and they received it by the power. So now they come back, they're like, you know, Paul, that was okay. But man, that power was amazing. I remember a story of a mentor of mine, David Cook. He was in India, and uh, he was, this is back many years ago, but he went back to a a back village because he he said, I want to preach in a Hindu temple. So he went and found one. Before he, before he went in, the interpreter went to see what was going on, and they were actually in there at the time uh, making sacrifices, and they had these chickens, and they had a, a, they had a face of a, of a demon they were worshiping, or a god who was a demon they were worshiping, and they were making blood sacrifice and cutting the, the chickens' heads and sprinkling blood all over, and it, just a gruesome scene. And, and uh, so David Cook says, yeah, i want to go in there. And this interpreter was like, I don't think you should. And he said, no, I'm going to go. So he walks in, stands up on a chair, and starts shouting as they're doing their little demon thing. And he got their attention, and, and they all turned to him, and so he started preaching the gospel. He was preaching the gospel, and, and his interpreter was interpreting it, and, and he goes, man, he was amazing. He said, and many of them gave their lives to Jesus. He goes, so afterwards, I thought, man, I'm going to find out. What did I say? Because I'm going to use that message in other places. So he asked this interpreter, can you ask them, what was it that I said that, that opened your heart? And one of, one of the, the, the Hindus who had given their life to Jesus says, I didn't really understand anything that you said. <laughs> but every time you said that name, Jesus, something left inside of me. And so then he, re- he realized as a, as a preacher, it's actually not about him either. It's about the power of God. So, so many of us rely on the system, but God wants us to rely on his spirit. So many of us rely on our ability, but God wants us to rely on the power of his spirit. Some of you here today, You need, you desperately need what no man can give you. But you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to allow Him in your life fresh and new and break things off of your life, to bring breakthrough in your life, to stop striving in your own power, in your own flesh, in your own will, in your own discipline. And you, God wants you to start receiving the power of the Spirit that dwells in you into your mortal bodies to bring these things under the kingship of Christ. And so we see over and over in the Scriptures that this is the purpose of the Spirit." I love the, the very nature of the Holy Spirit. It's even spoken of in, in the Old Testament. It's to bring us from a place of striving to the place of receiving, to be in, in a place of seeing God do things in our life that never was possible. Even Isaiah 44.3 says, For I will pour out water on a thirsty land, and streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings to your descendants. There is a spirit when it is poured out, it begins to meet the needs that that the land at the time couldn't meet its own need, but God began to pour out his spirit. And from that spirit brings forth transformation. From that spirit brings forth breakthrough in your life. From that spirit breaks off of you the desire to engage in sin and the desire to, to, to continue to walk in that carnal aspect of your life. And many of us are trapped in discouragement and frustration because we're looking to us to be the solution. And God says, I want you to look to the Spirit. It's the work of the Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary, not man's efforts. But she did say, she did say this Behold, I'm a servant. Let it be to me according to your word. She did cooperate with the Spirit. She didn't say, What do I have to do then in order to. No, no. Let it be according to your word. I'm, I am your servant. This is about cooperating with the Spirit once in your life. This isn't about fixing it before you cooperate with Him. This is about you cooperating with the Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to to change my mind. I'm asking you to change the actions of my words and my deeds. I need your power because I've got none. I need your power that is in me the Holy Spirit working and, and what he does and doesn't do in our lives, it's, it's not accidental. It's a direct response to us welcoming and the intent of our hearts to be, to be open and wanting to be like Christ. And then asking that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us to help us to become that. And the, the more we open our lives to him, the more this, his very nature impacts and influences our lives and allows us and brings us unto the kingship of Christ. Here's what's beautiful about coming under the kingship of Christ. Everything you've ever wanted in your life is found there. Everything. So m- many of us think this, this, we have a wrong belief. This action will satisfy me. And we know it doesn't but we keep coming back to it because we have believed a lie. But the truth is everything that you need is found in the kingship of Christ and in that kingdom and in that reality. And at the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you received salvation through Christ. And the Holy Spirit was placed inside of you. You have the spirit that dwells in you. And he began to bless you. He began to be available to you. Remember, Jesus calls him the helper. The one who will help you. It wasn't a one-time thing. This is a helper to help you. And so with your cooperation with the Holy Spirit... You cooperating with it means, I, I, can, you, can you give me the power? Actually, excuse me. You have the power to change me. Will you change me? Will you speak to me? I can't do this on my own, but I want to come under your, the kingship of Christ. But the moment that you give your life to Jesus, he comes into the spirit comes into you, and he occupies your body as a temple. He occupies your body as a temple. Many of us, if you've grown up in church, we are we're enamored with, the, with the, the shock and awe of the old temple or the tabernacle, which was a type and shadow of something to come. And we, and we just think and dream, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to be there at the tabernacle and the cloud and the, and the Shekinah glory of God and all, you know, we just live in all of this. That spirit, the holy of holies and Oh, wouldn't that be so amazing to be there? Well, friends, the temple doesn't exist anymore. There's no, there's no physical temple. There's no place that God's spirit dwells in a, in a building that's made by man's hands anymore. That same spirit that dwelled in that temple now takes up its place in you. You are the holy of holies. You are the temple of God. It's in you. But we forget we forget that we're in the new covenant. We forget the spirit dwells in us. We forget it's available to us. Paul says this, and the context of this is about sexual purity, but he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So whatever you give the Holy Spirit access to in in the intent of your heart and the the decisions of your mind and the actions of your hands. His nature is to bring those things under that kingship of Christ so your life brings glory to Christ. He will not force his way, but he will bless what you invite him into. He will help you overcome. Actually, he will overcome for you. We cooperate with him. And the Holy Spirit in you, friends, it heals your life from the pain of the past. It heals your life from what has forced you into a wrong belief about what can actually meet your needs. He satisfies you. He sanctifies you. The Holy Spirit regenerates you. And he also helps you to become more like Christ. I just really, I just really sense that this is something that God wants to speak to us today. He's been speaking to me about it. And I've had to come to the realization there have been things in my life I have been doing by the flesh. They were good, God thinks. My heart was right to start doing these things, to not do these things. The belief of my own heart about what what is necessary or what is needed. And I recognize that I've actually been living in the flesh in some of these areas. How I saw certain things. The process of my own heart, my own emotions, and all these things. And it's this gentle invitation of the Holy Spirit to say, do you want to see me do supernatural things in those areas? Do you you want to see me bring transformation? Then trust me. Put your faith in the power that I have in your life. Don't put your faith in your, mm, your grit. It's not about grit, friends. It's about His Spirit. I think as we, as we process this idea today, it's so evident to me that, that God wants to do things in your life that you haven't been able to do for years. He wants to bring breakthrough in your life in areas that you haven't been able to do. And I'll... I want to close with this passage out of Zechariah 4, and then we're going to spend a few minutes worshiping and asking the Holy Spirit to transform us and to change us and to to acknowledge and recognize things in us that are outside of Christ's kingship. And you know what that is. The Holy Spirit is... he, He has come to give us truth. But there was a task that a man named Zerubbabel was wanting to do. He was wanting to rebuild the temple. And that task was very difficult. And things were really hard. And on the surface, it was something that the work of man's hand would really come up short. But God gave a word through a prophet Zechariah And this is the same word for us today. It's not by might nor by power. So might and power, this is human human ability and human strength. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that this will be done. So whatever you're facing today, and we start doing these mental gymnastics about, yes, but Okay, it's okay. This might and my power here mixed with God's spirit, and oh, we get results. Actually, no, no. It's not by your ability, it's not by your strength, it's not by your personality, it's not by what you learned from a book that someone wrote about a certain subject. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that he can transform and bring areas of our lives under the kingship of Christ. And so, I want us to take a few minutes this morning. I want you to consider, not out of condemnation, but out of invitation. What is it in your life that is outside of God's kingship? Out of, outside of Christ's kingship. What is it in your life that's not Christ-like? If you're like me, then you better get out the pad of paper. But what is it in your life that isn't Christ-like? Is it attitude? Is it mind? Is it actions and deeds? What is it in your life that... What need in your life are you trying to get met outside of how Christ would have that need met? Could be a financial issue. Could be a substance issue. Could be a sex issue. Could be a security issue. I don't know what that is but what I do know is that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life that transforms you and shapes you so that you can live in the freedom that He dwells inside of you to give you. That you can live in the joy of His power moving and working in your life. So if we can, just bow your heads for a moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. You're already here. We just we want, we want you to know that you dwell in us and among us that as as the Word of God is preached, it pleases the Lord, and it pierces our hearts. But today, Lord, You are very simply pinpointing this issue of our need for Your Spirit to be the power in which we overcome sin. The power in which we receive healing. The power in which we overcome fear and anxiety. The power in which we put our security in Your will and not ours. The power to move us from fear to actually faith. The power to break the stronghold of addiction. the power to heal us from past pains and hurts, the power to heal our marriage, the power to meet our needs. You're our helper. And so, Lord, we take the next few minutes and Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here. We invite you to Move among us, we invite you, and we cooperate with you, that it is not by our might, it's not by our power, but we confess it's only by your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, won't you come? If we can, let's stand to our feet. So over the next few minutes, I want you to have the freedom with the Holy Spirit. If you want to come and be at the altar and seek the Lord, then you do that. If you want to seek Him right where you are, then you do that. If you want to kneel right at at your seat, you do that. But Lord, today we acknowledge there are areas of our life that are outside of your kingship that aren't Christ-like. And so by Your grace, Holy Spirit, come and begin to do the work in us that You promised and we put our faith in that You will do. In Jesus' name, amen we hope you enjoyed the message if you'd like to watch a service live online you can join us every sunday at 10 a.m at live.faith.church for everything else visit faith.church that's faith.church